trivia, discussions, opinions, and the chance to have your say. Welcome to the Topical Resort. And welcome to the show. I am your host, Green Vibe 8, as always, except for not as always, because uh, last week we had a rather nice intruder. Uh, we like him, but sadly we're not going to let him back in because we've improved the security around here now. So what we're going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about Sonic fan hacks and sorry, Sonic hacks and fan games. Um, some of us consider Sonic fans rude and annoying. Others of us can see the creative side of them through stuff like this. So why don't we just get straight into this cut the chit chat? So first up, here is from Sonic Before the Sequel, uh, 2012 version. Here is Topical Tropical.
and welcome back to the show. Uh, that cut a little bit quicker than I was expecting because I was just casually browsing because in the chat we were talking about Sonic 3 HD. Yes, the, um, you know, the unreleased sequel to Sonic... <laughs> Hang on. Actually, they're both quite similar in two different ways as they both were unreleased, both Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 HD. Although Sonic 3 HD, uh, sorry, Sonic 2 HD is in development again now, which you can be happy about because that actually looks pretty decent. Hooray! Yeah, so what you just heard there from Sonic 2 HD, that was Mystic Cave Zone, as done by T. Lopez, or T. Lopes as I hear it pronounced, I don't know how it's pronounced, don't, don't judge me, but from um, Sonic Mania fame now. Yeah, he's gone official, hooray. And before that, um, we had to go for the obligatory one. From Sonic Before the Sequel, that was Topical Tropical. Could that have been one of the inspirations for the names of this show? Maybe. Actually, it was the it was what taught me that topical was a word. Okay, so slightly re- unrelated side rant. Um, back when I was trying to... Oh, not when I was trying to come up with a name for this show, but when I was like trying to write something... Oh, it was more specifically I was trying to write out Tropical Resort. And at some point I stumbled over my words and I wrote Tropical Resort. And I'm like, hmm, topical, like topics. Now, I, I want to know if topical's a word. And then later on I found out, oh, there's a track on Sonic Before the sequel called Topical Tropical. In that case, that is a word. And yeah, that's the brief explanation of why I'm a boring person. Anyway, um, so, what have we got to mention? I forgot to change this part out in my notes. That's awesome. So, Sonic fan game and fan hacks. Fan hacks, basically, what they do is they take a. I'm really stumbling over my worst there, I do apologise. Um, basically, with a fan hacks, they take an original. or one of the original Sonic games, like Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles. Sometimes they do, like. Um, I know, for example. Sonic 3D Blast has been done and Sonic Pocket Adventure. They do them for quite a lot of classic games because it's not as easy with modern games. They just make like smaller mods. They don't completely redo the game like they do classic games. But um, I give up. <laughs> with fan games, they are made from scratch. Like basically, there'll be an engine which they'll run it on most of the time, unless. They're feeling particularly brave and code it by hand, in which case, God bless you people. But yeah, most of the time they run on a pre-built engine and then you just build level design and stuff around that. It's not based on a pre-existing game like a fan hack would be. Most of the time they're known for original level design, sometimes original characters, original music, just adding sort of content to the game that wasn't originally there and making it their own, if that makes any sort of sense to you. Yeah. I'm rambling, I just realised I forgot to add something that I said I would add to the list. Silly me. Um, oh well. Uh, Jamie says, I wonder if I'll talk about Sonic Mega Mix. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, um, I- I'm not going to drag this out for longer than necessary. That's going to be a running theme, I'm joking. I'm just unable to think of anything to say in this talk bed. So um, we're going to go on to another music break. And... Uh, this hack's like one of my un- most underrated Sonic hacks, honestly. This has like really solid level design. It has great music. Like, just everything is really good about it. Um, it was originally released in the Sonic Hacking Contest 2015, and it was really awful. Like, b- poor game. Like, barely anything had been changed. The level design was awful. You know, it, 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 even by the name of the hack, you can tell no effort was put in, but then it came back for 
Sonic Hacking Contest 2016. It's absolutely amazing. Like, I think it won the trophy for um, biggest upgrade. I can't remember what that's called off the top of my head. Yeah, but it won the trophy for biggest upgrade in terms of, like, you know, it went from being one of the worst hacks to being one of the best hacks. And I think it actually won my overall winner trophy when I decided mine. Because it was really that good. Honestly, you should play it. Or play the 2016 version. <laughs> Sorry, I went on another rant there. Anyway, um... Why don't we go on and play some music? So, from Untitled Sonic 1 Hack, here is Shining Shore Zone Act 1. Enjoy. on Radio Sega.
Welcome back to Topical Resort on Radio Sega. What you just heard there was Sunny Shore Zone from Sonic Mega Mix. More specifically, the Sega CD version because it has a different soundtrack to the as a different soundtrack for the original um, Mega Drive version. And before that, you heard Shining Shore Zone Act One from Untitled Sonic One Hack. Although I will go and find what the track was actually called because it was a remix. Uh, let me find it quickly. Professional Radio. I know it's a track from Cave Story, but I cannot remember the name of it off the top of my head. Come on. No, I didn't want to open that. No, don't be like that. <laughs> Come on. There we go. Perfect. Okay, that was On to Grass Town from Cave Story. I knew, I knew it was one of the songs from Cave Story that played fairly early on, but I couldn't remember which one it was exactly. But there we go. Now that we've done that, why don't we go on to... A segment which I haven't got the um, intro up for. Typical me. Why don't we go ahead and start listening to... Hasty History. As usual, that was way too quiet, I imagine. And uh, if you didn't hear that, because I never know at this point, that was Hasty History. And the aim of this segment is we're going to quickly deliver you some facts, some trivia some general history behind the games we're talking about today. So, why don't we start off with Sonic Megamix, since Jamie asked for Sonic Megamix. So, the last official release of the game was on August 13th, 2008. A new but more unstable build has leaked onto the internet known as version 5, however, it has not had an official release. So, despite, you know, the, pro- the project went on hiatus in 2008, and that version was more recent, but... The team just don't officially acknowledge it. They're like, yeah, it exists, but we're not going to condone you, you know, getting it because it's unstable. And then uh, the project was originally for the Mega Drive, but development shifted to the Mega CD, probably due to like more memory and the game can look nicer and CD soundtrack, I'd imagine, something like that. The original Mega Drive version isn't bad, but the Sega CD version is like a big step up. Uh, Jamie says the unstable version is version 4, I thought it was version 5, let me look it up. Um, yeah, no, there is a version 5.0 beta, which released a while back now. That's that's what I was referring to, sorry. You're right, stable... You, s- version 4 is unstable. There's like a beta build that's version 5 that is also unstable, but leaked, like... A few years back, I can't remember when it leaked exactly. Anyway, that. Um, and a physical Mega Drive version was released through piracy, making it one of the only Sonic hacks to get a physical release, which I think is pretty cool. And after that, the other game that I'm going to talk about for Hasty History is Sonic Before the Sequel. So it was last released on the 5th of August, and the story sees Sonic and Tails meeting before Sonic 2 takes place, with the game after the sequel taking place after Sonic 2 and after they've met. Wow, it's a groundbreaking concept, right? I know, it is. It is. So um, it's famous for the original soundtrack, which gained lots of attention after it was patched into the game, because the game originally reused music from other games such as Kirby and Sonic. But, um... As was established in the Sega Lounge yesterday, if you listen to that, uh, a team of musicians, who I can't remember off the top of my head because it's like six or seven of them, uh, a team of musicians contacted the game's developer, Lake Feppard, and created an original soundtrack for the game, which is very awesome, and we played some of it earlier, and I highly recommend you check it out. 
Aside from that, we're going to take a read through the chat now because we haven't done that yet. We haven't done any padding. So, uh, who's in the chat? There is myself. There is Jamie, Mr. Wonderman, aka. Oh, sorry, Jamie, aka Mr. Wonderman, aka PT Kickass, aka Green Vibe. He has a lot of names. Then we got myself. We have Twinny. We had a visit from Scary Red earlier. Uh, we had a visit from Tardis as well. Or Tardis. Uh, sorry, I'm bad with names. I don't know if you realised. Um, so, while the song break was going down, we were talking about Sonic Mega Mix, and then Jamie mentioned that one of his favourite Sonic hacks is still Knuckles the Echidna in Sonic the Hedgehog. And that game is actually quite, um, it has quite a big role because it was developed by Stealth in 2005. And for those of you who don't know who Stealth is, uh, get out, get out from under that rock, but, um, he helped out with the development for the iOS versions of Sonic 1 and 2, which also featured Knuckles as a playable character for the first time officially in Sonic 1. So that was very cool. He finally got to incorporate his unofficial hack into, an, into the official version of the game. And Jamie said, I know we can get some Knuckles now in the Sonic 1 remake, but I still enjoy this version. I actually find myself coming back to Knuckles in Sonic 1 more than I do playing him in the iOS version. I don't know, I used to have like a uh, Mega Drive portable and like a Mega Drive portable thing where you could load games off the SD card. I think the game I came back to the most was actually Knuckles in Sonic 1. Uh, I don't have that anymore sadly because now I just use my 3DS for all my Mega Drive stuff because emulators are actually really decent on the 3DS now. I was messing around with them like before the show playing some untitled Sonic 1 hacks just to see how they worked and RetroArch works really well. If you have a homebrew slash modded 3DS I'd recommend you check it out. So um Jamie says, Kirby and Sonic, in reference to um, the Sonic Before the Sequel soundtrack. I guess Lake Feppard was a huge Sonic and Kirby fan, especially with his Spark character. Well, if you play Sonic after the sequel, um, there is a character, or there is a version of Sonic which takes out the beam ability. And that version of Sonic is really reminiscent of how Spark plays in the final game. So I guess that was probably the inspiration for it the beam ability and how he plays in that version of After the Sequel, because. The beam ability in After the Sequel plays absolutely nothing like the actual beam ability. <laughs> so, you know, the more you know, I guess. Anyway, uh, I've been rambling on for long enough. Now, here is where the fan request segment would normally be. However, with the sheer amount of Sonic fan hacks and fan games there are, I simply cannot get all of the music for this segment I would like to get. So, unfortunately, I will not be doing the segment this week, but... It will be returning next week, Grand and Triumphant, but for now, I'm just going to play some more music. So, and also, I is now in the chat. Hey, what is up? So, um, from Sonic Roboblast 2, here is Castle Eggman's own Act 1, right here on Topical Resort, right here on Radio Sega.
welcome back to Topical Resort, right here on Radio Sega. It's time for our calming voice, because this background music is very calm, unlike the manic background music that was on just before. So anyway, what we just had there was uh, Emerald Island from the Sonic Brother Trouble, which, as Jamie mentioned, was an interesting take on Emerald Hill from Sonic 2, and he also said it reminded him a lot of the S-Factor which is another Sonic hack. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they might have had the same person in charge of music. If not, they do sound very similar, and I seem to remember seeing them uploaded to the same YouTube channel, though that could have just been coincidence. Before that, we had, from the new, newly released Sonic Time Twisted, we had To for, to Thought or To Freeze for Frigid Fortress Zone. I'm going to be the first to say it. I'm going to, you know, address the elephant in the room. I have not played Sonic Time Twisted yet. It looks so awesome from everything I've seen of it, but I have not had the time to play it. I haven't really been playing any games, truth be told, since like uh, last Saturday, last Friday was the last time I think I properly played a game. Yeah, I know, I'm an awful person, but I, I do plan on playing it because it looks amazing. Anyway, uh, short run over, but before that we had from Sonic Robo Blast 2, a Castle Eggman Zone Act 1. Sonic Robo Blast 2 is probably one of the most famous Sonic fan hacks as well, simply because it became really big for a while, and also it runs on the Doom engine, so uh, if we have a lurker in the form of Doom Goer, sup, I'm joking. Anyway, yeah, it's a very interesting take, because Sonic Robo Blast 1 is a really awful game made in MS Paint and stuff, or the graphics are made in MS Paint. It's just a really awful, like, joke fan game, but then Roboblast 2 started off the same way, I think, but then they made a serious one that played in the Doom engine, and it was really good. It's like, <laughs> it started off like that, and then they just changed the direction. Anyway, so that they were the three songs you just heard there, and now it's time for a section where I just briefly ramble over the games, over the games relating to the topic of the episode, so it's time to ramble over some Sonic fan games and hacks. So I don't actually have a list like I normally do, because I normally just use the lists for the um, request resorts segment, but I can't really do that here, so I'm going to start off with the obvious ones, Sonic Before and After the Sequel. So Sonic Before and After the Sequel, I have, or for the first game I have mixed opinions on them, and for After the Sequel I have a different opinion. So, before the sequel, I don't really like it because I feel like it starts off really good. But then, towards the end of the game, it starts to get like really cheap in terms of difficulty. And like, it gives you, like, it doesn't give you enough rings and it hits too many enemies and the level design's too difficult. So, like, that's not as bad in the first part, but then they just start throwing all that stuff onto you in the last part. And, uh, no, I'm in the biggest fan. But after the sequel, they fix a lot of things, which I'm happy about, because I think it's the better soundtrack. It fixes the mechanics, which I had an issue with. The difficulty is just right. It's, you know, I think it sort of gets that perfect level. That perfect difficulty level, while maintaining the fun level. So I do like that one more than, um... Before the sequel, and also uh, chat has exploded because I decided to look away for one second. Uh, I I was talking about rambling, and then Jamie started talking about rumble, and then um, talk of the res trance vibrator came up because of course it did because it's I I. Uh, anyway, Sonic Time Twisted. I have not played that yet, but it seems good. Um, the music's amazing because I listened to the soundtrack, 
I've seen good things about it. Maybe I'll play it after the show, or after I've finished everything for the show tonight. Actually, that sounds like a good plan. I'm going to do that. So, uh, I'm going to talk about some hacks now. Um, I already talked about Untitled Sonic 1 hack fully, so I don't really want to go through that again. Sonic Mega Mix. Um, I really enjoy Sonic Mega Mix. I, I originally played the Mega Drive version, then uh, I don't remember when I found out about the Mega CD version, but I don't remember playing that when it first came out. It was like... Um, I think because when Sonic Mega Mix came out, I was decently young, and by that I mean I couldn't like operate an emulator properly and stuff. And you know, I could load a Mega Drive ROM into an emulator, but like, you know, setting up all the BIOS for a Mega CD emulator and, you know, getting the ISO for um, Sonic Mega Mix was a bit too complicated for um, our young lad Viper. But, you know, I played the Mega Drive version and enjoyed it, and it was only later when I came to the Mega CD version I really enjoyed that one, because it was just. It, it was a lot better, in my opinion. But, as I said, Mega Drive version, still good. Um, since we talked about it earlier, the S Factor. The S Factor is a game that featured Sonia from Sonic Underground, uh, Silver the Hedgehog, everyone's favourite uh, cannabis head, and then we had, in the original versions, we had Scourge the Hedgehog, but Scourge was taken out in later versions, which is a shame, because I actually, Scourge was actually the one I played the most in the original versions, then they took him out, so I'm like, fine, I have fun new playable character, and that was Sonia, because Silver is really awful in that game. And um, another one that is very similar is um, Metal Sonic Hyperdrive, and uh, it features multiple characters such as Kirby, Sonic, uh, Samari, I think's in there, the Lone Devil, uh, who is, you know, the Lone Devil, the creator of the game, he's in there, and obviously we have Metal Sonic. Metal Sonic Hyperdrive is a rare case of a fat, oh sorry, of a um, Sonic hack where I think they actually made it worse with time. Like, the original version was all about speed and, like, platforming and wall jumps, and when you go to the newer versions, it feels like a completely different game, and the emphasis is just sort of, like, running right rather than speeding up as fast as possible, you know, like, it, it, the original aim was all about speed, the new aim's all about platforming, and it's not very good platforming. I'd recommend you get the original version of Metasonic Hyperdrive over the newer one if you can, I think it's just the better version. Honestly, if you want to play any version, do that. What other games we got? Sonic Boom, not the um, awful spin-off. No, or I don't mind the cartoon, but not the awful spin-off games. No, it's a three-stage-long fan hack that is quite difficult, has a great soundtrack, and it has a lot of um, edge. Yeah, we're going to use the word edge because it takes place in like this power plant and it's all quite grim dark and Sonic's got a whoa radical design <laughs> it's a very fun game I'm sad it's just a demo because I would have loved to have seen a full game but it's amazing just play it from what I know it actually plays on original Mega Drive hardware so if you want to play it you can play it on an actual Mega Drive if you have an EverDrive or a similar flash card you know, uh, we were not paid to talk about the Mega Drive. Or oh, sorry, the EverDrive. Eh, can't speak. Um, with most Sonic fan hacks, actually, you can play them on original hardware. I know you can with the Mega CD version of Sonic um, Mega Mix, and we already established that you can play the Mega Drive version for a Mega Drive. 
So if you have like, you know, any form of flashcard, try them out. Not all of them will work, but quite a few of them actually will work on real hardware. Which I think is a nice touch, you know. What else? Um, I think for the most part, like, Sonic hacks are fairly self-explanatory and don't really change much. Like, I mentioned all the ones that really do change up a lot of stuff. And I already talked about Sonic Rover Blast, I know that's not a hack, but I already talked about that. Um, I may as well talk about Unleashed Project, I guess, because why not? So Unleashed Project is a hack of Sonic Generations, the PC version, that ports over all of the levels from Sonic Unleashed, uh, with obviously the newer generation's engine and higher quality, you know, no frame dips in Adabat this time, unfortunately. And also the gun truck in Adabat makes for some fun times. But it's a good it's a good mod. I still prefer playing the original. But, oh, it's not a hack. It's like, um, once you get beyond into like sort of modern games, it's no longer a hack. Usually, it's normally counted as a mod. I should clear that up. Anyway, it's a really good mod, but I still prefer playing the original version of the game somewhat more, just because I'm used to that version now. But if you don't have the game, or if perhaps you don't like Unleashed, I'd recommend checking out that version, because you might actually get some enjoyment out of it. Anyway, um, I think we're going to go on to another song break now, and after that we'll be back with a topical thesis. But from Metal Sonic Hyperdrive, here is Botanic Lake Act 1 and 2, right here on Topical Resort. Silly me, I made a mistake, I clicked the wrong button, oh well, the music's playing, enjoy.
listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. Topical Thesis. And welcome back to the show. And we haven't made this joke yet, so you're listening to the sweet sound of quartet in the background. There we go, that's the obligatory joke out of the way. So what you just heard there from... Um, from Sonic Mill Ponterations, a currently unfinished mod that sadly has some great music, that was Across the Sea of Clouds for Sky Troops Modern. And for that, from Metal Sonic Hyperdrive, that was Botanic Lake Act 1 and 2. And during the chat, um, the conversation piece of the SNES Mini came up, because I know this is not Sega. I'm really out of breath for a second here, sorry, I don't know why. So it's not Sega, but um, the NES Mini was recently put out of production, and apparently it's because by the holiday they estimate that a SNES Mini will be available, and I'm really happy because, you know, there are some good NES games, don't get me wrong, I do love a bit of Mega Man 2, Kirby's Adventure, and all that, but I think in general I just like SNES games more. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still not a huge SNES fan, but I just seem to like the games more, which... It's positive, I probably might buy one if it actually does exist, because I'm, I have interest in this one on like the NES Classic, where I only had interest in two in like two games. And uh, I also said, RetroPie and you must build it into the original SNES, obviously a broken one. Uh, yeah, that's one thing, uh, RetroPie fans are incredibly loud, you're not a RetroPie fan, I'm joking. <laughs> RetroPie fans are incredibly loud, because every time you mention Oh yeah, I have a Retro on 5, or oh yeah, I have an NES Mini, like, why don't you have a Retro Pie? Is that, well, I do have a Retro Pie, I just prefer using my Retron, is that okay? <laughs> oh, voice hurting, ow. <laughs> I just, in most cases, I just prefer using my Retron because, like, I can use my real accessories, I can use my real cartridges, and that's why I prefer it over just an emulation box, personally. But of course, I'm an idiot because it's never going to be as good as Retro Pie. Because, you know, that's how these things work. Anyway, we should probably go on to the actual segment. Uh, this is Topical Thesis, where I take a opinion relating to the topic at hand, give three reasons for, three reasons against, and come to a justified conclusion as to whether I think, perhaps, it's, you know, whether I agree with the statement or whether I disagree, and I also like to hear what you guys think. That's the important part of this segment, so... Why don't we get up my notes? Yes, I should. Okay. So, our opinion for today is, should Sega allow fan games? So, one of my points for is, it shows support for dormant franchises. For example, Streets of Rage had a remake, and I know that's more of a um, fan remake rather than a fan game. But still, Streets of Rage had a remake, and Sega took that down because they saw it as a threat to their own franchises, but the thing is, Sega haven't done anything with Streets of Rage for years, but that game showed them that, hey, perhaps there is support for this game, we should totally make our own Streets of Rage, and then they never did, but still, it showed Sega that, hey, people do want to see this game again, and I think that's a positive of fan games, it shows support for those franchises that are no longer with us. And also that leads into the next point. It hints at Sega as to what the fans want, because if they know what the fans want, then they have a better chance of making a game that sells, and obviously, a game that sells is better for Sega, because, you know, they want to make as much money as possible, because they are a company after all. 
So if they know what fans want, they can please people while making money. That's two bonuses. And uh, it can also generate publicity for upcoming game developers. For example, some indie developers start off their careers making fan games because that's the easiest way to start off your career because it's some free publicity. You know, it's not awfully difficult to make a fan game or in comparison to making a full-on game by yourself. You know, it's a good starting place for some people and it also drums up some publicity for upcoming people. Which is always, you know, a positive. That's not a bad thing. And also... Um, not also, um... I do have some points against this. Uh, it can take away interest for official games. Like I said, mentioning that Streets of Rage remake again. Uh, you know, it took away interest from the actual Streets of Rage games. And that's not very good because it's gonna like stop people from buying the game. Like a, a classic example of this, in my opinion, is the Metroid 2 remake AM2R. Another Metroid 2 remake. People were complaining that it got taken down, but I actually think that was justified because they're completely remaking a game for free, which Nintendo would normally charge money for. People are downloading more than a Nintendo one, and it's on a platform which Nintendo don't support. So I personally think that's fully, you know, justified. And it's also like, um, what's the word? Like they're unofficially remaking Nintendo's property. It's not just using like a character. It's completely remaking a game that's Nintendo's. But then on the other hand, you have stuff like Pokemon Prism, which was in development for an incredibly long time. And it was its, it was its own original thing, just with different characters in Nintendo. Like, nope, we're taking you down. Uh, Jamie says, Christian Whitehead and Stealth are the perfect examples of fan game developers slash hackers that got into a de- development of official games. That's because they went through Sega. Like, they went through the official route. I'm sure... Like, I think AM2R, like another Metro 2 remake, would have actually got through and Nintendo would have allowed it if it was pitched. But they were just like, no, we're going to do our own thing instead and release the game, you know, unofficially, which led to some copyright issues, which I think is wasted potential. Pokemon Prism? Don't you mean Uranium? I don't think I do mean Uranium. I do think I mean Prism, but let me look it up. Pokemon Prism. Yeah, you're right, sorry, I don't mean Prism, I uh, I can't remember what one it is. Yeah, sorry, you're right, Jamie, I do mean Uranium. Uh, apologies. Uh, I, I don't remember these things, I'm not a massive Pokemon fan, so, you know, I don't remember. Yeah, you, um, the other one, I can't remember its name now. Pokemon Prism is a hack of a Game Boy Color game, so it's definitely not that one. Uh, and also, the last point leads into this one. Some fan games copy official material. Um, although it's not a fan game, an example I can think of is the Unleashed Project, which is a hack, or sorry, a mod. Because Unleashed Project completely remakes all of the stages from a paid game, which you can get from Sega. You know, it's, it, it does do some original stuff, but it's basically stealing, because it's like, oh yeah, you no longer have to buy this game because you can just play it all in this game for completely free. So in some cases it does just the, like, Unleashed Project does it well in that, you know, it it's not like a complete replacement for actually playing Unleashed. But there are some games, there are some like fan games and mods which literally just straight up copy, like, original games, which isn't good because it takes away business from real games, and that's quite shady in my opinion. Um, 
And even and that also ties into this one, even if fan games are fully allowed, people start to push the copyright limits. Because people go, Oh, well if fan games are allowed, then I can do this right. I can do this. Oh, surely I can do this as well. And it was just it gets out of hand because it starts to push the legal grey area to a point where it's like, oh, so what isn't legal anymore? Like, what is legal, what isn't? It, it pushes it to an uncomfortable area. Uh, IS says they they allow Steam mods of Mega Drive games, which I think is cool. It's true, um, there are some fan hacks on the Steam version of Sega Mega Drive... What is it called? Sega Mega Drive Collection. I can't remember what it's called on Steam. Let me open up my Steam library. Um, yeah, the Sega Mega Drive Collection on Steam uh, is called Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Classics. Okay, so that basically that allows for fan-made mods for all of the games. Quite often that leads to just the mods being like um, other games ported. So like say you get Streets of Rage and then it's like Oh, Splatterhouse 2 mod, so you can just play Splatterhouse 2 through Streets of Rage. That was, like, the intent of it. Basically. That was the intent for some people, then some people did actually release real hacks. But I guess this could also be a fourth point, but, um, there's a lot of... Oh, no, it can be a fourth point, because it's hacks, sorry. But, um, a lot of fan hacks on the Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Classics collection were actually stolen off other people. Some people just went like, oh yeah, we're gonna um, upload your game, which I haven't got permission to upload. Which, you know, it's, it's cool. Like, <laughs> that's quite shady. I, know, I won't lie. Just uploading other people's stuff without their permission and claiming it as your own, which is what happened. But anyway, yeah, it can be quite shady, but at the same time, it's a good opportunity to let people thrive, I guess. Anyway, what is your opinion on this? I would like to know. Why don't you send us a message through the Twitter feed, at Sega, or perhaps you could send us, say, a message through Discord on radiose.ga forward slash Discord, or perhaps, you know, you're behind the times a bit and you want to send us a Facebook message. Well, you can send us to that on our Facebook page, Radio Sega. As for my final opinion, um, where is it? There. Uh, I believe fan games have a positive impact on the company, the franchises, and the people who make them. Even if they are in a grey copyright area, I believe it has more positive effects on the franchises and the company than negatives. So as I mentioned, I want to hear your opinions on this. And before we go to a song break, we're just going to wait and see if anybody does have an opinion on um, whether fan games should be allowed. And also, thanks to Mr. Social, we have a um, poll on should Sega continue fan games. 80% of people have currently said, oh yes, Sega should be allowed to continue making fan games, while 20% have said, oh no, in reference to, you know, oh no. Oh no. As in, Knuckles the Echidna, yes. <laughs> so it seems like most people are in favour of fan games being allowed, which I think is good, because they do have a positive impact, and, you know, they, they don't do any harm, really, unless it's copying an original game. Anyway, that was Topical Thesis. I'm not going to, you know, bore you any longer. But if you still have any opinions that you want read out, then I will read them out after this break. But for now, we're going to play some music for some more fan games and fan hacks. So from the Sonic Boom hack, here is Power Plant Zone Act 2. 
Missed an episode and want to catch up? Want to re-educate yourself on the topic of a previous show? Download our podcast from the Radio Sega Media section. Subscribe to us on iTunes or stream the show through Stitcher. Discord calling. Welcome back to the show. What you just had there was from Sonic after the sequel. That was World to Explore. Um, we were talking about this, and Jamie said in the chat, after the sequel has a much more Mega Drive sounding soundtrack, which I believe is true, it does sound a lot more like the Mega Drive. I think in general I just prefer after the sequel's soundtrack because it sounds really calming, like, it's just so relaxing to listen to, unlike before the sequel, which is like pumping, like high action. You know, it's, it's calming and chill to listen to on a calm evening, like right now. And um, before that, we had, from the Sonic Boom hack, we had Power Plant Zone Act 2. So, um, if you didn't hear before what is going on, this is the Discord call-in. This way you get a chance to call into the show and have a conversation with me through the voice chat on Discord. And uh, if you don't have Discord, um, for some reason, because a lot of people seem to have it nowadays, but if you don't, that's fine. Or just pop into our Discord chat, radiosc.ga forward slash Discord, and you could have a chance of being on the show, and we already have regulars. Well, I should explain what's going on, basically. Um, this week was meant to be Trivia Coast, but however, um, the segment is currently undergoing some maintenance. I can't tell you when or if it will be back yet, but for now, Discord call-in will be every week until I decide what to do or have a plan set in stone. Anyway, we're not going to delay this any longer. We're going to get into the calls. We're going to get into this. So let me just uh, hope everything is all okay. And we will drag on our first unsuspecting victim. Metapod. Turn your radio down. Sorry. That's better. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have dragged you in without, you know, pre-warning. Oh, you're all you hosts are the same. You drag people in without any warning. Yeah, but it's just funny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, hi. So, how have you been? I've been fine. You've been, you've been good. That's always, you know, great to hear. So, uh, what would you like to talk about today on the Discord call-in? Obviously, regarding today's subject of uh, Sonic Hacks and fan games, I think out of that side of the community, my main uh, side I've interacted with is the hacking side, which I believe one of my first hacks into the hacking community was, uh, of course, Sonic Mega Mix. I think that's classic. Like Everyone goes to that one first, and then they just like deviate later on once, you know, they've... Once they've played that one, they sort of like delve out into other hacks, I guess. But I think the nice part of the uh, hacking community is to see unique changes to what you can do with a pre-existing uh, Sonic game engine and see how far you can expand upon it. Like, uh, for example, extra characters into the game, such as uh, the classic uh, Knuckles in Sonic 1, for example. Yeah, just like see what you can already add to pre-existing games, or perhaps just like making your own, like just based off something else. Well, yeah, like uh, Knuckles in Sonic One was based on the pre-existing concepts by Sega. 
I'm gonna see he was meant to be in Sonic 1 originally, wasn't he? But there was like palette swapping issues. Yeah, Knuckles' palettes were having. Knuckles' palette colours was having issues with Sonic 1's palette, leading to uh, graphical technical uh, graphical issues, which led us to have the full game of Blue Spheres. This I think is bad because I actually do really like the Blue Spheres minigame when you plug in Sonic 1. Yeah, it's a nice surprise. It's a shame they didn't put Tails in the game. Yeah, that is true. You can only play Sonic and Knuckles in Blue Spheres. Mm. For some reason, I don't know why. It wouldn't have hurt to put Tails in the game, but I guess maybe it's because it's running off Sonic and Knuckles. It's why it only has True. Sonic and Knuckles. True, and but if you go to what people have found, Tails is sort of in the uh, game's data. Oh, it's just, he's not accessible. It's just a shame, because I did spend a lot of time actually playing that Blue Spheres game, and having Tails there would have, you know, mixed it up a little. That leads on to another great Sonic hacker, Sonic 3 Complete. That is true, I did not mention Sonic 3 Complete. Would you like to mention it since you um, you know quite a bit more about it than me? Sonic 3 Complete being the ideal uh, hack of uh, anyone who's a fan of uh, Sonic 3 Knuckles, basing it on the original idea concept of the game to make it a more unique and experience of the uh, full game. Such as uh, such as rearranging the, uh, the zones, uh, putting uh, final battery into uh, the level between uh, Carnival Night and Ice Cap. Yeah, so it adds a lot of beta stuff back to the game, from what I remember, doesn't it? Yep, like uh, Ice Cap Zone, where Sonic starts off snowboarding. The original idea was that uh, Sonic was going to crash out the flying battery like he does uh, before. Sandopolis, and the door that he smacks open was going to be the snowboard. Huh. Is there, like, the option to add back in the, um, sur- not, yeah, like the surfboard from the original intro, or is that not an option in Sonic 3 Complete? That's not an option, but I think they did right by not including it, because that would have just looked stupid. It does look incredibly stupid, but at the same time, the like, goal was to add a ton of beta elements back in, and that would have fulfilled the quota. And they did, in fact, uh, should we say, remix uh, the uh, replaced uh, PC tracks. But it's true, they did, actually. I'd never play with them turned on, because I'm not sadistic. I, I'd say, say, I'd actually recommend it, and this is coming from someone who prefers the original, because... The PC uh, tracks actually sound better from the Mega Drive uh, sound check. Huh, I, I will have to do a playthrough of the one at some point. But um, yeah. any last hacks you'd like to mention or fan games that you've played? An interesting one, Sonic Tetris. Ooh, um, I'm going to have to research this, but I, I know what it is, but I haven't really played much of it. Would you like to go ahead and talk about it? So basically, Sonic Tetris is the uh, is a mixture of two franchises: uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Tetris. It brings together Sonic One and the Tetris game, as you know it. Uh, you can either choose to play Sonic One with uh, Tetris special stages, or just to play the standard Tetris game with uh, Sonic One themed backgrounds. And I believe, it, along with that, it plays some of the um, it plays the Sonic One music during the Tetris games. That's interesting. I'm actually going to have to have a look into that because perhaps that could be a good build-up to Puyo Puyo Tetris. 
you know, Sega and, and Puyo, oh sorry, Sega and Puyo have already had, no, yeah, Sega and Tetris have already had a crossover and it's in the form of this hack, so, you know. <laughs> but the funny thing is, with Sonic being done by Sonic Team, they did obviously go on to do Puyo Puyo Tetris. That is true, yes. Sonic Team do still, do still do a lot of stuff, which is good because, like, people just think, oh, they only make Sonic, but... They've had a comeback in recent years, you know, they're not completely dead like they were a few years ago. Well, I wouldn't say they was dead, I'd just say dead to Western territories due to Sega. Yeah, that's true. Right, anyway, um, sorry, I'm gonna sort of cut this off here because I'm, like, sort of wary of the time. So, uh, any last words you'd like to say to the audience or anyone listening? Uh, you suck, like always. Yeah, that is true, I do suck. Anyway, uh, like, do you want to scream like Ayo does as you leave, or do you just want to leave peacefully? I'll leave peacefully, there's no point. Okay, alright. Thanks for coming on the show, Jamie. No problem. Bye. And that was Jamie, aka Mr. Wonderman. Um, I am just going to do a double check. Before, because, <laughs> as Jamie has already complained... I will check before I rudely track people in. Okay, awesome. So let me just prepare this. And with that, we welcome Twenty to the show. Welcome. Hello, hello. You just got me pulling some laundry. Awesome. <laughs> so what would you like to talk about today? Well, I want to mention my comment from the uh, topical thesis about if sugar a lot more um, fan games that fan hack. I said in the Discord chat, as long as the people making such things aren't blatantly using its IPs for their own financial profit, then I'm perfectly fine with it. I mean, Sega is, has been completely lax on the whole deal of uh, fan games and fan hacks, um, especially since the, uh, the Genesis um, emulator pack came out on Steam, that right there always shown that they are perfectly fine with people um, having a blast with doing the various fan hacks and mods and whatnot. And like I said, if any of those people not like taking money out of um, profiting off their, uh, their IPs and whatnot, then hey, can go nuts with it. As long as you're happy and the people playing them are happy and you're not like making money off off of the happiness, then what's stopping you? Yeah, I do agree with that. I think like Sega's sort of attitude is very sort of calming and as long as it's not doing anything illegal, why not go for it, I see. Yeah, they're they're a lot more lax than other companies. Like Nintendo, they are just ceasing the sissing left and right all these fan projects and you have Sega probably fine with having people um, mod Sonic characters in the streets of rage. So <laughs> you can pretty much see how but just between those two, how certain companies react to the community when they produce fan content like that. Yeah, it's a very contrasting difference, but at the same time it's weird because Sega's policy towards like some other aspects, like sometimes the policy towards video creation is very outdated, but then their like attitude towards like fan games and fan hacks is like very modern. So 
in some cases they're really ahead of the times, and in some cases they're behind the times. It's weird. Oh yeah, um, just just you say that, but taking back to when uh, Sega like put copyrights on um, some of the YouTube videos. I think one of the games was Vanquish. Like they completely um, put copyright strikes on certain users was um, showing gameplay of it. But now you can probably have like Bayonetta end up in Sonic 1 or Sonic 2 or Sonic 3 and they're totally fine with it. Yeah, I don't know, they're weird sometimes. I remember one of the games was Shining Force as well. In the recent years, like, only, it was 2014 I think it was, was when they put a ban on like all things Sonic or it was Sega vs Japan. I think so. I'm not really sure what their reasoning is, like, it doesn't hurt anyone, it's just free publicity at the end of the day, all of this stuff is. Yeah, uh, Jamie makes it another another good point. Sega seems to hate people wanting everything unless it's Sonic. And that's that's something I have a bit of a gripe with, because again, if, if it's not Sonic, then people just won't care. And that's kind of yeah, a bit iffy, in my opinion. Like, their, their policy towards hacking like, other stuff is quite weird, but I don't know why, like, Sonic's allowed, but then they're, like, sort of iffy on other games. It's strange. I like that uh, Streets of Rage um, project you mentioned earlier. They completely shut that down. Um, I remember seeing that there was a, um, a, a Jesse Radio project going on. I'm not sure if that's continuing, but if it's not, I'm saying that has something to do with, I guess, Sega's lawyers, but I'm completely unsure about that. But all I know is that if it's not Sonic, why bother? Yeah, true. I, like, 90% of the time they call the fan games and fan projects. I think the thing that they're most strict on, and I've mentioned this before, is surprisingly print media. Because oh, a lot yeah. of like, books and magazines seem to get DMCA'd a lot, which surprises me, because like, free advertisement, once again, why would you do that? Exactly. So I brought this up before, I think Too Many Rings got DMCA'd, and I know for definite that the Dreamcast Junkyard's Collector's Guide got DMCA'd twice. Oh yeah, I, I heard about the Dreamcast Junkyard, and that that is a prime example of the insane ways that Sega just canning fan projects like that, and I mean, if if there's like some Sonic product list going on, you know Sega won't even even make a move with with his lawyers on that. Just because it's Sonic. It's weird with like the Dreamcast Junkyard collector book. They were like on the second print, they were like, "This is not official." Like plastered all over the book. We do not want money from Sega. Or and then Sega. and then boom, it's cancelled. Yep. They didn't bother trying to do it for a third time. I think they just gave it away as like prizes and stuff now, which is sad because it was an awesome yeah. book and they even proved that. Like, I think Peter Moore owned one. I seem to remember seeing at one point, which I thought was funny. Uh, hey, that's that's how it is. That's how it goes now. So, I mean, good luck to um, any person out there that's wanting to make something fan creative with. Like something with the likes of Shenmue or Tojem or 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 any um Niche Sega IP out there, but yeah, chances of actually 
getting that out, eh, I'll say it's highly unlikely. Unless it's, you know, about a blue hedgehog. Yeah, I think that's true. But anyway, um, I'm going to thank you for coming on the show. I'm going to let you get back to folding your laundry now. Yeah, I got like a like a whole mountain of clothes I need to get done. So, yeah. yeah be speedy about it, you know, got to go fast. Anyway, have you got any famous last words you'd like to say before I drag you back to the chill out? Uh, no, y- y'all have the hook this time. No, oh, awesome, yay! Uh, or oh, as off the hook as me gets, which isn't very. Anyway, thanks thank so much for coming on the show, Twenty. Alright, bye bye. Bye. And that was Twenty. So thank you so much to everyone who called in tonight for Discord call in. Um, if you'd like to participate in future episodes, radiose.ga/discord, and you'll need a microphone, and you'll need to join the chill out voice room for a chance of being on the show. Anyway, now is a uh, segment which um, our intruder last week completely forgot to do, which is the Toppy Mix. And for those of you who don't know what the Toppy Mix is, one Sega track which is unrelated to the theme of the show, one related remix, or one remix that's related to the ep- to the topic of the show, and one unrelated non-Sega track. And um, I'm cheating a bit on the remix this week because I struggled to find a remix of fan games. So instead, I got a remix from a fan game. Uh, it's a remix of one of the tracks from the fan game. So enjoy that. And um, coming up first, here is Endless Mind from Sonic the Hedgehog 3, right here on Radio Sega. Let's get scratching. The Toppy Mix.
and welcome back to the show. What you just heard there was uh, Beatus Blues Chapter 2 Light World from Super Meat Boy, the Xbox 360 and PS3 version, oh sorry, Xbox 360 and PC version specifically because the newer versions have a different soundtrack. Before that from Sonic After the Sequel we had Cyan City 16-bit and before that was Sonic 3 Endless Mine. Uh, the, uh, the chat's bullying me because I didn't know that Endless Mine was originally an inspiration for um, Escape from the City, and I posted it, uh, unknowing that it'd become a meme, but it's okay, I got Jamie back, we posted a tapping meme. But, um, now it's time to unfortunately end the show, yes, you've had some fun looking at, you know, some fan games and some fan hacks, but sadly it's, my time has come to an end, because... It's almost 9 o'clock and it's almost time for Sega Mixer Drive with the amazing Rexy. But um, before, I wa- before I end off the show, I just want to say thanks to everyone in the chat. So we have had me, II, Tardises, um, th- th- other people. We've had 20 pop in at some points. We've had Scary Red at some point. There's been people all over the place. Yeah, basically. Anyway, so thank you so much to anybody who came in. You kept me company for now. Yeah, yeah. So you kept me company for now, and maybe one day we'll have another topical resort. I don't know what I'm even talking about anymore. Anyway, and I already played some music bef- from my from before the sequel on the show, but I couldn't resist, and I want to play another one because I ran out of music for this last segment. So um. Here's Rivulets from Hilltop Heights, Act 1. I've been your host, Green Viper 8. Thank you so much. Enjoy Sega Mix Drive and have a lovely rest of your day, people. Peace.
Radio Sega. Playing the best Sega music 24-7.